Yeah, and interestingly enough, somebody, a colleague of mine told me um, just a few months ago, and we were talking, and he says, you know, Celicia, uh, we talked about a lot of things, but I'll get to the gist of it. And he says, you know, it's like somebody told you when you were young that you could do anything you wanted to, and you actually believe them. That's powerful. Today, now you got to get other people in. So I think so. We're gonna start the conversation. Um, so today, Miss Miss Alicia Smith Gordon. Are we live? We're always live. Oh, are we? I'm just oh not my gonna, gosh! Right. For real? My goal is never to tell you that we're live, but we're live. Okay. And where so, am I supposed to look? I have just, we're having a conversation. So I don't have to look over there. Your, this is okay. not your regular. Interview. This is a pure conversation. I love it. So my ultimate goal is to bring value to people that's been through life, yeah, in business for themselves, or trying to be in business for themselves, or people that just been through trial and tribulations, that been through things that want to get to another level. And you might be able to give them a little tip and trick of how you did it. Because so right away, so Kitty London and I spoke. Um, and I was telling her about, you know, the show that we're creating and we, you know, I want to start having more conversations with different people. Yeah, I must tell you though, what just hit my mind when you said that I heard, I call them Jerryisms. Um, Jerry, Jerry, Geraldine is my mother. Okay. So she goes by Jerry for short. <laughs> it's, you know, mama's always got some, but I, when you say, do you want me to talk about it? My mother would say, do what I say, not as I do. Yes. <laughs> and then son, she was dead serious when she said that too. Right. So, <laughs> so when I spoke with her, she, you know, and she was like, "Ooh, I know the right person." She was like, <laughs> "She said she has a pharmacy degree and a law degree." I said, "Yeah, please bring her in." Oh, there's goodness. no way someone that been through both of those experiences of getting both of those degree, there gotta be a story behind that. It's like there's, there's no way. <laughs> so how did? So you spoke about your mother growing <laughs> up with your mom. I don't know if you grew up with mom and dad in the mm-hmm. home. Um, yes. How was just that, the beginning, starting with that, growing with those amazing parents of yours? Well, you know, honestly, you know, for what you know, I think this probably applies to most people. What you know is what you know. Mm. Whatever environment that you're in, that you grew up in, is the environment that you know. Nobody... You know, that's because that's 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 the box that you're in. Reality. That's your reality. Um, my parents, interesting. They are both very very educated. So um, uh, my mother's a lawyer. Uh, I followed in her footsteps. My father um, was the president of Florida A and M University, and wow. before becoming president of FAMU, he was president of Roxbury Community College in Boston. I'm assuming you went to Bethune Cookman. You know what? Yeah, I wouldn't even do that to you. Let me go ahead. This cough is hot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there was an expect. I don't even say this expectation. My reality was that I, I read. I was, um, I, you know, grew up reading the newspaper. Grew up 
But that was the ex- culture in your home. In that your was the home. culture in my home. Mm. So someone asked me, well, how did you know? When did you know you were going to go to college? It, that was a given. That was that, like regular. Yeah, that was regular. It's like, you, no, it's, the question was, what were you going to get your degree in and what were you going to get your tertiary degree in? Not just your BS, but you had to get a tertiary degree. And I, I don't know. I don't know how else to say that that was just, that was my reality. I did mm-hmm. not grow up with a quote-unquote silver spoon. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but we were very fortunate, very blessed because of the hard work of my parents. And, um, you know, my grandparents, um, uh, my grandfather, my mother's father's name was Judge. He was not a judge, but his first name really, Great really name. was Judge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, Judge. And he was a mechanic. He owned um, um, his own shop for years, and um, he was a businessman. Sorry, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to help you out a little I'm bit. I'm sorry. We're doing. No, we're good. Okay, He was a, he was a business businessman. Um, so as my other grandfather, a businessman, he was a barber. Mm. And um, so entrepreneurship was a thing entrep- in the house. Yes. And education was your normal, yeah, everyday they thing. They stressed. Now, my grandfather only had a second grade education, mm. um, but smart as a whip. And he, the story, and, and we still stay in touch with family members and um, just, you know, it's, and it's family reunion time now, too. But, uh, but he walked off of the plantation. So we are just like two generations removed from. Truly, sharecroppers, and not even two. So, granddad, that would be one generation removed. Yeah. Wow. So then, the education part. So your mom. So your mom. How did she get connected to the the, the importance of education? Her father wasn't. Uh, he wasn't educated, but he was smart. Um, so, granddaddy, I'm a judge, but mm-hmm. so is Lee. But granddaddy, um, you know. Nowadays, people have calculators. Granddaddy could mm. add, multiply, divide. By the time I put something in the, the what do you call it? The calculator. calculator uh-huh. he, he's like, this is the answer. He wow. Yeah. He's so, naturally smart. He's naturally smart, naturally gifted. Um, and they both knew that they wanted more for their children. I think every generation wants the generation that they bear to be better, to improve, not have to go through the struggles that they've gone to, but to be, to, to improve, to step up, to step up, to step up. That is the only way to progress. So what did, what did more looks, what did more look like in the home for you? What did, what did that look like for you guys? Well, more for, so I'm, I'm the only girl. I have three brothers and um, older, younger, one older, two younger. Okay. Yeah. So um, more for us, and I'm going to say for us, meant to just simply do our best and make sure that it was our best. And whatever our best was, add a little bit more and try to squeeze some more. Another Jerryism, you got to get the butter from the duck. You got to get, yeah. Don't ask me where that came from, yeah. but that's I've it. I've heard it before. I that means you got to get, that, that means you got to give it all you got and squeeze it out. Now, does duck produce butter? I'm going to act if like Jerry it does. Says if Jerry it, says so, we're going we're with it. Go. That's right. That's it. right. <laughs> so, so was there a lot of discipline when it comes to education or you guys just, once again, naturally, you know, 
was there anyone in the film like you got to do this, you got to do that, or it was just education? Once again, was still part of the culture. Of the no, I think it was part of the culture, and it was not a got to for me. It was a I wanted to excel. I mean, we had fun. I mean, it was we so had the fun. Atmosphere for education was just there. I still read. I I mean, um, I I hosted a book club. I put on my posts, um, wow. social media posts, some books that. Um, I read. I try to do it monthly. Is it an open book club for? It was for the Akaba, which is the International oh. Korean Business Alliance. Uh, now I'm part of a book club. I don't host a book club anymore. Time just doesn't permit. Um, but I am a part of book clubs, even for the Bar Association. Mm -hmm. yeah. So now let, we're going to fast forward a little bit to get into. You're in college. Of course, at FAMU. At FAMU, which I'm not going to disrespect you again. <laughs> I know how you. I know how Floridians take this real personal. We are rattlers. And your father was also a president of the school, so you had no choice. Just want to be clear. I had a choice, uh, but it's the career path. Um, I chose pharmacy, mm. and there was no better place. I was to, told. To, to I was go. told, fam, you have a great pharmaceutical. It's it one of the top in the country. So you got in there. So you said, all right, I'm leaving high school. I'm going into pharmacy. 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 When did you get the next bright idea and say, I'm going to go into, how did that process happen? How did that change? That I was going to go to law or what I was going to do next? Oh, give me both. Give me next after pharmacy. Okay. So, well, during pharmacy, not after pharmacy, but during pharmacy, you know, well, even before pharmacy, um, I thought that I was either going to go to med school or veterinary medicine. I didn't, law was not on my radar. It really was not on my radar. Um, and I still think I would have been a very good doctor or veterinarian. I, I love animals. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother story. But I, you I still have time. Just want to let you know that. If you yeah, I know. Don't more. tempt me. Do not, just you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about it. But um, uh, I was preparing, I was working in uh, Winter, uh, Winter Park uh, as a pharmacist. And my mom called me one Sunday. It was a Sunday. I remember it. I remember where I was. And she says, I want you to, um, I want you, instead of preparing to go to med school, I want you to take the LSAT. Mm. I was like, for real? She says, yes, I want you to take the LSAT. Just take it. And it was like a month out before the LSAT exam. And really to, to appease my mother, of I'm an, I was always... Well, I tried to be an obedient child. I really did. Um, and I said, okay, fine. Now, I was working, mind you, and I was working retail pharmacy at the time. You remember Kmart? Yes. Because well, Kmart had pharmacy. So Kmart pharmacy. So I was working Kmart pharmacy, and we worked 12-hour days, okay. which means that you're there for 13 hours. You're there 30 minutes before to, to mm -hmm. open up, and then you've got to close out. And I'm like, when am I going to have time? So I found a way to um, study um, when the, when there were lulls, you know, and breaks and people not in. And I, I took it, I took the exam and apparently did well. So wait, so you were, you, you already was a pharmacist. Yes. You decide. I, I, the, I, the great I, one mom decided great, to tell you. Jerry says, do this. Yes. You decided to go into law. And yes. While you're a pharmacist working 13 hour days. Yes. You decided to be an attorney. Yes. Well, I decided to go to law school. Decided to go to law school. Well, to apply for law school, then I was accepted. Yes. How? What is? How does that make sense? It doesn't. I didn't. I say. Didn't I say? Do as I say, not as I do. So okay. So the why is? 
truly the why is your mother's influence on me. On yes. You. It was my mother's vision of what she saw for me. And as, as she would say, I know you better than you know yourself. I kind of disagree with that now at this stage <laughs> in life. Of course, but, uh, of course I do. But um, there are things that I think parents do see. Um, and that's a blessing when parents can see, or, or, or I say parents, but it can be anybody in your life, can see something, I don't say greater than you, but further than you mm-hmm. because of their maturity or their knowledge of you and their knowledge of the trends and what's going on in the world. But there's that little thing of trust though in that process. So yes. a lot of um, children distrust their parents' vision in the full capacity. Oh, yeah, I didn't have that. So how That's did not you, my story. I, I, clearly it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's a lot of, I think a lot of, I think a lot mm-hmm. of children want to break their parents, you know, like, cause they might think their parents is boring or lame or just not what they want to be. But of course their parents see more of them. Their parents probably see their personality traits. They're seeing a lot more in them. So right away for me, I'm just trying to understand what separated you for the ones that try to go against their parents' vision. How did you get that position of trust in your mom that what she says you believe works for you? I think, in a word, it would be nurturing. Mm. In, in one word, I would say nurturing. Um, because I did not have that lack of trust in my parents, I really don't know how to address that. But I would think that that was simply nurturing. You know, we, we say, and I, I live this, we live in a village. Now, mm-hmm. mind you, I'll be 57 next month. So... In my atmosphere, mm-hmm. I grew up in a village. I mean, I had parents, but I had grandparents. Um, we had next-door neighbors who could discipline you. That's from childhood. Mm-hmm. So I knew that people cared. My first grade teacher, she recently wow. died. You know, so there are people who, yeah, and now, nurturing. yes. Yeah. They were nurturing, and you just felt... Um, they had your best interest. They had heart. your best interest at heart. Yeah. yeah. And interestingly enough, somebody, a colleague of mine told me um, just a few months ago and we were talking and he says, you know, Celicia, uh, we talked about a lot of things, but I'll get to the gist of it. And he says, you know, it's like somebody told you when you were young that you could do anything you wanted to and you actually believe them. That's powerful. And I was like, yeah, I did. Wow. Wow. And do you believe it was just, so it wasn't just your parents that told you that? Because it's not like your parents instilled that in you first. I guess so. But it's not like somebody comes to you and say, you can be anything you want, Beethoven. You can do that. Maybe they did, and I don't remember that. Mm. But it was just simply, let's go do it. It's an introduction to various areas of society, various things, just a multitude so of areas. You saw what you were, ex- I was exposed mm. I understood the the value of reading the newspaper. Mm-hmm. I understood the value of my vote. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the value of yeah, my, you that my voice being a great citizen of a citizenship. Yes, um, I understood my as a child. My father would take me to D.C. in the House in, in chamber in the Senate chamber. We would look at it. We would go to D.C. We took the train to D.C. to understand the political process. Mm. Um, 
we would travel internationally to understand other people's cultures. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So, so exposure? Exposures. We would go to the opera. Um, we would go to fine dining so that we, I mean, it's not every day, but it was, a, they were nurture, nurturing me and exposing me so that when I grew up mm-hmm. and had the opportunity, hopefully, it would not be new. My father would say, I am showing you how I want one day when you are ready and a man wants to marry you, I'm showing you now how you should be treated. So your father's presence and his, his raising, I'm raising you, gave, he instilled in you, wow, that's crazy. I think that's so powerful. <laughs> and I think that's so important though. So your father instilling you the importance of like basically what you, what you should expect from a quality husband. Absolutely. Wow. And if it didn't come about, it wasn't the end of the world because I'd be okay. How did that part come from? That Fine, he, I, So he did both. I, yeah. And, and, and mind you now, I'm the only girl and I got three brothers. So you definitely. My, my, my yeah. grandfather was a mechanic. So I learned how to, I could change my oil. Well, I had a VW Bug at first. Now I had my first okay, two cars. Okay. Was a v- <laughs> so, you know, I could run out of gas, which I often did because the gas gauge didn't work. I knew how to put gasoline in there, start clutch, hit it, and keep it okay. going. Put it in the carburetor, keep it going. And I know. <laughs> Different. 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 I could but change a tire. In a standard. Yes. My grandfather, my grandfather was a barber, so I knew how to cut hair. Wow. I, t- I do my husband's. So the hustler. I still, like, to, to this day, I, sh- I, I, I do my husband's. I do my own. So not only you're a pharmacist. I got a side hustle. I got side hustles. I got side hustles I don't get paid for. So you're a pharmacist, <laughs> you're an attorney, you're a mechanic, and you're a barber. I'm not really so a mechanic. I, I was back then today. I'm not a mechanic. So the importance <laughs> of the hustle for you, do you believe that helped you stay Consistent, growing, and always developing? Yes. Mm. Yes. Always seeking. Always learning. Always growing. Always wanting. You ask, what does that more look like? I'm not sure. That more is someplace in the stratosphere. I just know that as, as long as my ship is in the water, and my sail is cast, God will steer it. I cannot steer a ship it won't get in the water. Sheesh. Okay. So the interview is over. We're at it. Now let me <laughs> No, I think for let, let's get into um now you and after you get your law degree. Okay. Did you start working for a law firm? What did that process look like? No, I never interviewed with anyone. After I after I got my law degree, and you know, you take the have to then wait and take the bar exam and then wait for the results. And I remember that process. Around what age were you around then? I was 20, maybe 24, let's see, 20, 24, 25. So when did you party? When did you hang out? When did you do like- I did, I mean, I really had a rather balanced life. I had a, I really did. I mean, I went to f- football games. I went to almost, now at different phases in pharmacy school, you ain't got time to do all that. Right. I mean, you you really you're don't. Locked you, you're locked in. Um, but no, I pledged. 
In fact, I leave on Thursday to, to go and meet my line sisters for 37 years. We are still, all nine of us are still close. We're nine of That's us. Amazing. It's amazing. And I am so excited. We're meeting at my home in North Carolina. And seven of us, two of us won't be able to make it, but we're going to have their pictures on like these little like the stop sign sticks, so we're right, gonna right, kind right. of <laughs> we gotta put put them in, kind of Photoshop them into into the pictures. But um, no, I, I played AK and and I had fun. You still enjoyed yourself. I learned how to play spades. Yeah, I you mean, know how to play spades. You know, that makes it official. That's right official. That, when you say you know how to play spades, I get it. You weren't just in the books because no. spades at fam had to be a whole different yeah, yeah. experience. Yeah, no, no. So I now had you fun. get your your law degree, you. Never made a decision to work for a law firm? No. That sounds so like the way no. you made it sound like it sounds so crazy what I'm talking about. And it's not, you know, looking back, no, it I never Why not? It, you know, I have no explanation for that. I absolutely have none. I in law school, I never went on an interview. I just knew that Was you gonna own your own? Well, I was either gonna do that or or perhaps corporate go into a pharmaceutical company. And I did consider that because I was, um, what do you call it? Um, asked or when people um, try to get you, you know, recruit, recruit. Thank you so much. I was recruited by pharmaceutical companies because it of the, the it makes all the sense in the world. And, but I don't want to go to Minnesota and, I, I just didn't want to go. Yeah, I just didn't. I it just. I don't. I don't know. I really have no explanation. Um, you but, think it's watching your grandfather that owned businesses? And my mother, my own, my mother worked for someone for a while, but she owned her own law firm. Law firm. And so, so there was a lot of leadership in your family. So your father was the president of FAMU. Yes. Your mother eventually owned her own practice. Your grandfather and a newspaper. So that so entrepreneurship was a, once again part of the culture in your home. Yes. So when you got out of law school, it was like, oh, I'm going to start a, start my practice. When I when I passed and I when I passed was the passed the bar and was sworn into um the Florida State Supreme Court as a lawyer, I was already prepared. All my stuff is ready. I just hung out my shingle. I had it ready. It was just a matter of cuz I couldn't do that until the official swearing in. That's stuck against the ball mm. rules, right? But as soon as it, I think the, that same day, because I had already. So at, did you go work for your mom's practice? Nope. Or? I worked. No, I worked for my mom's practice in between. I mean, through law school, okay. there are things that. So you know, I. You were around law. I, I was around around law, and you know what? Let me say something. That is that was one of the reasons why my mother said go to law school. Now, my aunts and uncles. I have aunts and uncles who are physicians, who are surgeons. So I would have been a good surgeon, but. Your grandfather, this judge, knew what he. Well, was that doing. was Lee's side. That was oh, that was Lee's side, so right? Both right. Sides yeah, were, both wow. sides. That's right. So, um, what was I going to tell you? My mom, one of the things that she said, which is true, when you see people of other hues, mm. oftentimes you will see the great grandfather was a judge. The grandfather was a judge. Mm. The father's a judge. The son is a judge. The, right. da the daughter's a lawyer. You know, you see that history of the legacy of the same in the same profession. Mm. We as people of color, number one, we have not had that many years of opportunity. Right. That, let's just start there. 
right? Mm-hmm. And it's 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 a constant growing learning phase for us because we're so far behind in terms of trying to catch up and so society. stay on that point real quick. So a lot of people speak of this and it's the thing on social media. It's everything. That's the conversation. But why why didn't you make that an excuse? To do what excuse? To not to do. Because I've met several people that, you know, they speak on how we're 400 years, you know, all the things that's happening, but you decide to keep on going. Some people just stick on the fight where they want to fight about this is not right, this is not right, or somebody else's fault that they're not successful. What separated you from not living in that spirit of blaming and you decided to actually put the action behind it? Well, let's first acknowledge the fact that the struggle is real. 100%. And the struggle continues. And there's a lot of unfairness. There are a lot of inequities and injustices, which is what I fight, which is what I fight for, for people and for myself every day. There's, you know, as I say, life for me ain't no crystal stair. Okay. Facts. All right. So um, I never thought about it as an excuse. Mm -hmm. You just had to do it. I mean, it's, you just had to, you had to, you had to try. But it was no option. You had to try. You just had, I mean, what was I going to do? Complain. Okay, well, I'm sorry. No, that. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work. I know. No. You so I think find, that was the thing for me. Because I think you got to find a way. I meet so many people that, you know, the conversation that we're having constantly is, you know, it's the it's the man's fault. This is wrong. That's wrong. Oh, no, no, no. The man, that, the man can get you down now. The now, man let, can let, get you down. But what yeah. keeps you up and why you keep on going? Because you have a dream. You have a goal. You have a vision. And you have other people who are supporting that vision for you, even if you don't see it for yourself, and that's the nurturing part. Once you, once you feel that and you feel like you have the support system, mm-hmm. but even if you don't, it could be something that you don't even share with others. You put your it, head down and go after it. You have to have the internal fortitude, intestinal fortitude, the grit to, um, to keep going to just find a way to do it. Kitty London is a great example. And she's, of course, not a lawyer, but in all that she does. I mean, I look at her and I, she really is an inspiration to me. So other people can be inspirations. They don't have to be your family member. They don't have right, to live 100%. with you. They don't have, actually, a lot of people are inspirations who you may have never, ever met. I go through this a lot. I, I find that, I find a lot of people, like what you're say, talking of, for me, that's how I stay connected. I watch so many people on YouTube and different content, mm-hmm. and I get inspiration from their processes, the things that they, their challenges, the things they've been through. Even when I meet certain people, the first thing I really ask about is their failures, their learning processes. What did they go through, and how did they get through it? Success, yeah. I could see all this. Stuff. You could tell me about yeah, all you the can great tell things yeah. that you've been through in your success. So I want to know a little bit more even about your process of the opening up the process. I mean, open up the practice. How did that, and what's some of the trial and error that you go oh, through for that? Oh, that, that's a, that's a, you need more time. <laughs> We're good. Um, the process was, I had already, like, like we spoke when I walked in the door. Um, I knew that it, I was 
I mean, I passed the bar. I just had to get sworn in. Um, so after the passing the bar, though, something that people may not know, mm-hmm. general public, just because you pass the bar, you graduate from law school, you pass the bar, does not automatically make you a lawyer. Wow. Never knew that. No. You have one more step, and that is the Florida Bar of Board Examiners. You have a character mm-hmm. assessment. I know. Florida has about 100, just shy of 110,000 lawyers in the state of Florida today. So everywhere have the same practice? Of they have to go through those steps? I don't know about state? other states. No, I don't know Florida, about other states, but Florida. Go. Yes, I'm not a member of any other state bar. Florida's the only state bar I'm a member of. I'm a member of the federal bars, the Northern, Southern District, Northern District, Middle District, and 11th Circuit, and the United States Supreme Court. So I've, I'm a member of those bars for practicing, but Florida is the only state. So for Florida, you have a and probably so. I know Texas does. Um, but yeah, so another catch for, as you call it, the man can catch you, right? Um, typically, it's not often that you have anyone of color on the Florida Board of Bar Examiners. Right. And those, I believe, are six-year terms. So... We can be excluded in a number of ways, even when we have successfully completed our track. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. I've been through it. Yeah. I understand. So I remind law students that this ain't the end. You still got to do. So there are certain things that you want to, now, especially with social media, certain things you probably want to kind of yeah, I was gonna ask taper and avoid. Nowadays, I don't know. I mean, I've been a lawyer now for 28 years. So um, they're looking, let me tell you, they're looking for, or supposed to be, supposed to be looking for, uh, if you've got a criminal history, whether or not that criminal history of any sort is something that would make you unfit to be a lawyer, what, it was, you know, what was it about? They're looking for, do you have any debt? Okay. Wait a minute. You went okay. to law school. Yes. So they're not looking at the law school debt. They're not going to look to them. I say to themselves, to your own profession. They're looking for other debt, your credit card debt, your health care debt. Um, one of my, that held me up, and it, it, that, that's, I mean, it held me up for a couple of months because I had a medical debt. So you went to law school. Uh-huh. You get, you get, you're past your bar. You're ready now because you're going to the bar money. the first time. And they could still stop you if you have bad credit? Debt, not credit. Debt? Debt. So I had a medical bill outstanding. I don't even know what the medical bill outstanding was. I mean, I have no idea. Yeah. So they can they can put roadblocks. That's unbelievable. Oh, yes. I never even knew this was a thing. Oh, yes. Well, others with criminal records who don't look like us, who... Or gets all passed kind- by. So then what happens when you got to that part? So that that's that was that was a hurdle for you? That was a huge hurdle. My mother represented me. I had a lawyer. I had counsel. Wait, so you whoa. No, I had counsel. We had to go before the com- the the committee. Um in bonk, meaning in bonk committee where they Your mom's made, fight was pretty natural. She was ready for this one. Yeah, but it was also personal and passionate because she's my mom. Yeah, that's what I was definitely right. And so, you know, it was a, it was an obstacle. So how long of a process did you have to wait? It's been 28 years. I don't remember. But it was a few months. 
few months. So. It was a few months. It wasn't quick. And you're waiting well, there I mean, saying. I thought that was a thing. So after you get, so so now let's go into the good things. I want to skip. I never knew that was even a thing. Yes. So after you get that certificate, like you're ready to go. Uh, accomplishment. That get sworn in. in. Mm-hmm. I had a private swearing in with um, by Justice um, um, Hatchet, Joseph Hatchet, in his chambers for, for me to be sworn in. And I walked out of there. We had lunch, and I hung my shingle that was sitting on the desk waiting for me to hang it. The desk at your mom's office? I was at my mom. Like, so I had a, I worked for, because I couldn't work as a lawyer. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't. So at the time, I worked as a pharmacist doing doing this process. No, I'm Wait, still working so as a pharmacist. still a pharmacist in this whole thing? Yeah. I had to support I mean, myself. Saying, yeah, like it was a regular... Like, I had to work. Wait, no. I worked as a like, pharmacist through law school. After law school, uh, when I hung my shingle, I was just opening. I had no clients. Well, you're just you're just a pharmacist. I had no clients, so I had to. But I I knew what I was planning to do to procure clients. Remember this? This was back in the day, Beethoven, when we had pagers. Okay. <laughs> So long ago. That was a long time ago. We had pages and we had the cell phones really had just kind of come out. And there were those like Motorola, big old right, things. You could yes. you could throw it across all the way to California. It dropped down, yeah, throw it off it will, a building, it and it was somebody. still, it hurt somebody and still work. Okay. So <laughs> that was wow. back in the day. So, um, but no, really, I, I knew what I wanted to do and how, and I knew people in Tallahassee. I believed that they would trust me. Doing law school, I tried cases because I was certified in law school. There was a special program Mm -hmm. to try cases. And I I did. And I was successful at winning cases as a law student. Of course, there is a lawyer Mm -hmm. with the, I was with the public defender doing this. It's like a, um, can't even think of the name of it, but there's, there's a special certification program. And, um, and I was successful to all the way doing that. And, so I, I I knew that I would do trial work, you know I, I had the gumption to you know that I could do that, but I, I had the clients and I had no money to do this. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I could do this, but I need some revenue, and I did not work for. No, once I became a lawyer, I worked with my mother. I did not work for my mother. I know that clearly. because we wanted to be mother daughter. Well, all right. And so we had an agreement of how we were going to work on cases together when that arose. So I worked as a pharmacist by night. I did the night shifts um, at the hospital and retail on the weekends. So no, really. As and an then attorney and I was a, I was I was I was a attorney by day. I was a pharmacist by evening. So how did you you know because the, the way my brains work? How did you introduce yourself? Hey. What do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a pharmacist and I'm a lawyer. And how old were you around that time? About 26. Yeah, I was like, yeah, you're lying. Keep it moving. Okay. 26? There's no, like, for me, understand the importance and the value of education, but to really conquer both of those things, they look like two pillars that is just so, like, intimidating. Like, I don't know. So I want to get into this part, knowing how... How was it in the dating experience now as an attorney and a pharmacist? Like, what kind of guy? And and also with your grandfather and your father and all these great men in your family. Oh. How did that, 
Like, how did that work? Like, how did that conversation... How could somebody even strike a conversation and really get to the point to marrying you? Like, how did well, that work? they would have to be very secure. That's that's for one. But, I, you know, in terms of dating, I first of all, dating a date... Now, you have different levels of dating. Mm-hmm. And I tell this to my female friends. A date is simply a date. That is no romantic thing. That's going to the movies. It's just a date. That's just not a friend that you can That's a friend. That's just not a date is a date. Yeah. The end, period. Everybody have a different understanding what a date is. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And then a, then a romantic date is something different. So, um I could talk, and I still do. I talk to like everybody. So striking up a conversation, we just met, and we right. stuck a, I, I can talk to anybody. Into, I think when we get into the romantic dating, the intimidation, I just think people will be intimidated by the titles that you hold. But I don't. It's but not, you don't carry that in your. Yeah, I don't. I don't. That's, that's I don't good. wear that on. It's like there's no billboard that says do. that. A lot of people do. I introduce myself as I'm Celicia. So after. Because also, your husband's an attorney, so... They... No, he's not. He's a mediator. He's not an attorney. Oh, I thought he was an attorney also. No, he's not a lawyer. So how did how did, how did did that whole thing come about? Oh, it was a blind date with my husband. It was a blind date. I had a blind date, believe it or not. A blind Excellent. date. So this is a true story. So I told you we lived outside of Boston. Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't so, know. So, well, my father was president of Roxborough Community College in Boston. And then he... And then it came to fam. So we lived, you know, in the Boston area. Grew up in Natick. I grew up in Connecticut. Did you? So then you got, okay, there you go. I get it now. So I had an orthodontist in Boston named Dr. Bill Bryant. And so when I moved to South Florida, I practiced in Tallahassee. I moved to South Florida um, a few years later, maybe five years later. And... um, to Stewart. Why Stewart? That's a whole nother ball game. But, you know, like when you're moving to Stewart, everybody, not everybody, but many people live in what's called Palm City. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, like here, many people live on Village in one of those places right, until right, they right. fight. Yeah, on Village, right. yeah. Right, so Palm City that's and Sunset Trace, I remember that. And there was a, a gentleman who I met who was black and he was a dentist or orthodontist. And remember now, I was 11 in, in Boston, 11, 12, 10, 11, 12. And he would, you know, nurture me. He would, you know, it was very nice. It's welcoming, you know, anything you need, very welcoming. It was not until, and I think he realized, he, I knew that he knew my parents, which was great. You know, a lot of people did. It. He realized that I really did not remember who he was. He looked familiar. He sounded familiar. But I just, in the recesses of my mind. So one day after a lunch, we, um, he took me to his office. And as I was walking out of the door, there are pictures on the, on the wall of him through the years. And it stopped. And there was a picture of him that looked, it was not of me, looked just like it was in Boston. He had a beard much like yours right, right. now. And I looked, I said, you, you were my orthodontist. He said, I was wondering when you were going to figure that out. So that's when I got connected. So, so he knew that I was, of course, single. And he knew my husband, my now husband separately, and he was single. And he says, there, call me up one day. I was having lunch with someone else. He says, Celicia, I want you to. Are you having lunch with someone 
a friend or someone else you were dating? No, no, someone else, just a friend. It okay. was a business lunch, actually. And he called me up, and because it was Bill, I answered doing the business lunch because he didn't just call me randomly just to call. And uh, he says, listen, I want you to do this by the end of the day. Okay. What is it? He says, now promise me you'll do it. Okay. What is it? He says, I want you to call this number and call this person. And I'm telling you, I don't know. And he told me his name was Lawrence Gordon. And I don't know if it's going to be a, just a basic friendship, a professional relationship, or something more. But you're going to call him today. Now, he didn't say, wait for his call. Right. <laughs> he said, I want you to call him. Now, he had to make me promise because he knows that I'm awful at doing that. I just, you know, whatever. So I did it just really to get Bill off my back to say, yes, okay, fine. And it was a, a good ploy, you know, because that's how when you're meeting somebody or going on a date, you don't know. It's not a romantic. It could be friendships, associates, just somebody for you to meet to know and maybe to develop anymore. So I called Lawrence, introduced myself. He acted like he had no idea of why I was calling. Come on. And little did I know, he, Bill had done the same to him. I, I didn't know that until oh. months later. And so I called him up and I asked him for lunch. Lunch is always safe. Lunch, you I did. That. Yeah, I asked him for lunch. Lunch, a lunch date, a lunch meeting is always safe, and because um, you can go home. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yes. Right, right, safe. I understand. So I called him for lunch, and he told me no. And I said, I remember saying, what? <laughs> now, you wasn't going to just stop there. I said, what? What? Not, what, me? Me? I'm like, why? I said, Bill wants us to meet. I think we should meet. And um, he says, well, I'm going out, out of town to Memphis. And, and, and I'm not said, no. I said, he said, no. I said, okay, well, maybe when you get back. Then. Then. No harm, no fault. I've done what I was supposed to you do. did your part. I did my part. Well... It was maybe a week later, something like that. He called to set up another lunch. And we, we were doing this for maybe a, a week or two because we couldn't find a good lunchtime. He's in West Palm. I'm in Stewart. And for some reason, our schedule's just explosive. So long story short, we ended up meeting for dinner, an early dinner, which was anyway, ended up being a wonderful I start, it ended up me being a wonderful situation, but I was late. I was not late. I was late, but I called the restaurant to indicate I was late as soon as I could. But what I was so excited about, nervous about meeting him for, for dinner and going from Stuart. Now, mind you, I came from Tallahassee. For me to come to West Palm with the traffic, I was not used not to this. Yeah. I was not used to this traffic and these. I just, I was just, I, I was just out of sorts with that. And, um, I locked myself out of my office. I literally locked myself out of my office. The cleaning guy was there. The door closed behind me, and it locked. Crap. <laughs> I have no keys. So fine, I've had to run around, find the cleaning guy, get in, call the restaurant. I didn't have his cell. I only had the office number, his office number, and to let him know. Guys that are so patient. So go ahead. Yeah, right. I, that was you going. Yeah. So anyway, I, I made it down to where we met for for um. For dinner, and long and short, we've been together ever since. We we sat there and we talked and we ate and we drank wine for 
over two hours, and we actually closed the restaurant. From lunch? No, no, for dinner. Remember, oh, that's, that's for dinner. dinner. Okay. I was nervous about dinner because this was a dinner. So Yeah, okay. I was like, my goodness, yeah. you said lunch. That's a long, no, no, no. that's a long lunch. I, I think for me, I want to, I, I wanted to, I also, I thought your husband was an attorney. No, he's a mediator and he is. He was vice, a counsel. He is. He's still, he's vice mayor of the town of Haverhill. And tomorrow he will be sworn in as the, the president of the Palm Beach County League of Cities. Congratulations. I'm very proud of him. Yes. We are proud of him. That's amazing. I think I want to go into also some of your hurdles that you've been through in the process of service. Okay. You know, um, what some of, like, going into the practice of injury, of personal injury. Personal injury. Personal injury. Why did you pick that? Well, mind you, for me, well, I didn't start off doing P.I., I thought that I would, but I, I had no experience. My experience in law school was with the under the guise of the public defender's office as a student. So I was trying first degree homicide cases, arson cases. That's what that's how my first case was a first degree arson case. Wow. That had arson, which resulted in a death. That was my first case. How how was that? How was that process for you, taking all that? Were you in the defending side or were you... Defending. Defending. Um, I was a student and uh, whoever, what happened was, whoever was, whatever lawyer, mind you, this is, I was a student in law school under the certification program. And the lawyer who was supposed to try the case got sick. Apparently nobody in the office thought they could win the case. So who are they going to give it to? The intern. That's crazy. The intern, let's give, it to, let's, give it to, let's give it to the intern. But the, but the supervising public defender was there with me. Okay. So, okay. So, and somebody had to start. But this was a, an opportunity. So I, I took it as that, as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I had three days to prepare. He was ready. I mean, the supervising mm-hmm. lawyer knew the case now. So, so I had three days to prepare. And, um, and I did. I stayed up and I prepared and I prepared and I saw it in my head. The, the, process. Fa- the, the, the process I saw in my head, the client, the facts, I met the client. I, uh, I remember shaving the client. Client needed to be shaved. I was like, you can't come into the courthouse looking like this that. This barber skill that you Oh, I didn't think about that. Oh, my goodness. That's right. I never thought about that. Oh, my like, gosh. You, I did. You, your first, this is crazy. I did. So, your first. I thought he, like, he walked in the door. I was like, no, boo boo. I'm a barber. I'm also a I'm barber. I'm not a barber. I'm not a barber. If you need but me to work in your car after this, I can, I can do, do that. that. Too. But I remember, I said, somebody get me a razor. And we, we shaved it and made it look nice, combed his hair. Yeah. I, so, what was the result? We won. Your first case. Won it. That you was told to prepare in won three it. days, you won. Yeah. So, that momentum. Kept, kept, carried the, yes. It carried the, so. It's not merely the momentum that I want people to understand. Yes, the momentum carried through, but what really carried through was the confidence. Mm. It was the learning experience and the level of confidence that you gained from that one that you gained for overall? overall that one confidence becomes a momentum and um, the one case gives you a boost of confidence but also carries the momentum of what's next 
and what's next. Don't want someone to think, oh, you went all your trials, you went all your cases. That, that would be a lie. That would not be true. When most of them. And you win some that you shouldn't win and you lose some you shouldn't lose. Right. Okay. And, um, but it gives you confidence of speaking. It gives you confidence of standing before people. It gives you confidence of a voice that you have a voice of something to say that's going to, because I believed if I, I believed the case, I believed what I was saying. That's the important part. Yeah. For me, it is. Yeah, for me, it is. So now, what? A, let's talk a little bit about the difficult ones that you had that you believe you were supposed to win, and how that process. How how did you feel about those? Of course, not good. But give me a little bit more than that. Those sometimes those that you don't win. Um, you well, there's a lot to learn. I yes, I think I've learned more from losses than I have from wins. Wins, you gain confidence. Losses, but you st- I still go back even with wins to see what I could have done better, what I could have done differently. For losses, there are a couple of things, because you asked me at the beginning, a couple of things I have had to learn. One is that you, and this is over years um, and having nurturing friends too. One is there's only so much time you have to be sorrowful and the grovel in this loss. Now, at this point, I I give myself 48 hours. That's it. You created a system for that. Yeah, that's it. I can beat myself up for 24. I can reflect, but I only got 48 hours. And I only have 48 hours, and sometimes I don't have that. But in terms of my own inner system of before I move forward— because, number one, you have other clients waiting on you. Mm. You have other people depending on you. Mm. So sitting there. Like sitting that. there ain't the answer. You, you, you got to move forward because you have responsibilities. Keep so it moving. You, let me ask you this question. Would you hire yourself and why? Absolutely. So why would you hire yourself? Because I'm fantastic. We all know that. <laughs> we all know that. But what, what separates you from others? Not even what really separates you. I think that's a question, I think, because it's very similar in most aspects on law. But, like, why would you hire you? I would hire, I would hire me because, one, you're going to get somebody who is going to care about you. That's, that's big. Okay? You're not a number. Somebody who actually is going to care. Somebody who's going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of fluff. Or, oh, I'm going to get you whatever a bill. Dollars. Okay, whatever that billboard says, I'm going to get you that. Um, I'm going to. I'm also going to educate you about the process so that you can avoid. No one, so you can have knowledge of what's going on. It's your case, but also if there's some deficiencies in what I see in your insurance policy, things that could have protected you. I'm going to educate you so that you know, and then you can hopefully tell other family members or friends so that they can make the necessary changes. My voice alone isn't enough. It has to be a village process. So I think I hear the same thing. That's crazy. From your upbringing, the nurturing, because it sounds like right away you said you care for your clients. I do. 
And I think that's so important. I do. I really do. I really do. And I think I'm just listening to you. I think what what I get from it right away, your upbringing of the nurturing, you you said also even your friends nurture you. Absolutely. So I think that nurturing. If if your friends can't nurture you, you need some new friends. I'm getting rid of everybody today. (laughs) My friends are so mean. Like I'm literally getting rid of everybody today. No, no, they they definitely nurture me in their way. Um, But some you some some you know really friendships have different roles. All friends are not equal. I think all my friends are savages, so I don't really know if if I have a nurturing friend. But I I I do. I definitely do because they nurture me their way. I have a lot of mentors that nurture me in a, in a certain, you know, in a way, their way. And I respect their way of doing it. But I think just listening to what you're talking about um, in your practice, it started from the beginning, nurturing. I, I Consistently, I keep on hearing you talking about how nurturing is part of your everyday lifestyle. I, I think it is. I mean, I never really thought about it that way until you just brought it up. Um, I do that with my staff. I want to show them what I know so that they know how to apply it to other cases, but to their everyday lives. We use examples that we go through ourselves because we're human beings and clients go through similar situations. You don't just wake up and say, I'm going to be hit by a UPS truck today and I know what to do. No, that doesn't quite happen that way. But the process of healing, the process of being, having your life disrupted tremendously right. tremendously at that and moment. knowing how to move forward because maybe you can't work anymore or can't work for a period of time but you're the only breadwinner in the house and you got children to feed you've got you know so you have encouragement there's so many it's things a behind. lot of things wrapped up so it's into not really it. just the paperwork side of it oh no that's the easier part so and I, and I think for me when we were talking when we first got started this before we even started this the show, I think we talked about um, your branding and your marketing, you know, as my, you know, as my, what I specialize in marketing and branding. I truly believe that's your secret. That's your touch. Because more clients will be more connected. and re- Because the moment you start dealing with an attorney, you just think it's about a bunch of papers and law stuff. And you're like, sometimes you need that extra nurture, nurturing as part of it to understand so they could be patient with you. So you, when you're going through a process like that, I believe you're going to need patience. You're going to need all these things. And nurturing is that thing. So when, when we talk about, I got the aha for you. I figured I want a percentage of the business now just because I came up with it. <laughs> I think for me, I think you, the nurturing side and you educating the client, I think that's what separates your business yeah. right away from what I've been, you know, what we've yeah. been talking about, what we talked about before this show. I really think in your branding, you should really double down on that. Yeah. Letting people learn you and your brain, your upbringing, who you are as a person, and why you are really, um, why do you, why you do what you do? I do. And our motto um, for, I guess, twenty years has been: we work hard for those seriously injured to rebuild their lives. And it's big, but I no, it's bad at just automatically get to work in my mind when you start talking about that. I think where you are in twenty years in business, I don't know if you twenty eight, twenty eight. So I apologize. Hey, those eight, those eight, <laughs> those that eight counts. Very important. That, I, it I counts. That 
But I'm just adding to your branding. Once again, it's just how my mind works. I think while you rebranding and enhancing your brand, not rebranding where you're taking away, and and part of the enhancement of your brand and part of that you're developing more legacy in your company, I believe you should really double down on, of course, they know the work. You're 20 years in business. They get that part. Eight. 28. Listen, I promise you, 28 is my number. I'm locked in. The part of your 28 years in business, I really think now the story is going to get people connected more. The information you're going to give out on your YouTube channel and your different platforms to bring more value into is going to help develop more of the branding for the next chapter of the practice of what you're doing, how you're doing it. And not only that, will your company represent in this chapter of the rebranding? From your lips to God's ears. No, 100% because I see it. I, I think you have the legacy part um, of the, t- the 28 years consistently being in business. I think that's the big yeah. thing. Um, We're very proud. I mean, you know, I try to make the environment where we work. Um, I own the business. I own the commercial. My husband and I own the commercial property downtown West Palm Beach. I'm the only female wow. in West Palm, downtown West Palm Beach who owns the building with her name on it. One time. One time. For over. How long have you been and you're a black since, uh, yes. woman. And Just want to be clear. That's right. I'm the only woman. And, I, I'm, and I'm also black. Just yes. want to be clear on that. Yeah. That's, that's super amazing. I think that's dope. I think that's. And I know other women. Influ- I think that's super influential. I think I want to add to that. And I want to sponsor the first one. I think I want to sponsor a group of young ladies Black, white, purple, whatever it is, to come and see your practice. I think I love you should to. do something like I that. I love to. It's just we got so much construction going around on us. Oh, yeah, right now they're developing right now. They're developing. Here. They're developing right. So our building is on Second Street, 922 Second Street. You were able to see it from the corner of Banyan and Tamarin. The the front of the building though faces Second Street. Most people can see it from the corner, which is Banyan, Tamarin. But now they've built a nine-story um I don't know if it's a condo or apartment. That's yeah, what they're I think doing. I see that construction happening. So what we did, my husband and I said, okay, we didn't own the property next door, which was the corner. Yeah. We, so we bought it. Tell you. We bought it. So, I don't know if you guys are looking for a, a, a nephew. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you want to add me to the. I'm open to being part of the real, of the Gordon, <laughs> the Smith Gordon family. That is a great, great business move. That is a it great. Is. Um, to be in that corner. Um, and it's being able to be fortuitous looking. You have to look ahead at what your options are. And I, you know, I say that for this purpose only. That other people, other black women and men can do the same. Brian Boyceau did it as well. Yes, he is. He is so, yeah. So, I, you know, give him a shout out. Yeah, Great. definitely. And he practiced injury law. He does the same kind of law. Yes, he mm-hmm. does. And he's not far from me in the Northwest District. Um, Proud of you guys. Good job. Absolutely. But I think that, so that's that's, a, that's another big thing. Why did you decide to purchase that building where your practice is and not just lease for years? Like, where did you get that concept to purchase the building? To, to lease. Um, Wait. Is lease a bad thing? Because the way you just said it, like, <laughs> to lease, like, why would anybody do that? Yeah, why would you do that? Um, uh, so, like, for me, I have a an example of where I took an L on. I messed up 
the building across the street from us, the cafe that I built, mm-hmm. I didn't purchase the building. I didn't know. And I had no one to speak with me about, you should do that first. You know, I grew, I have blue collar family members. My parents bought property that they live and they rent out, but I have no one that I could, that was able to speak with, with commercial. I was told you lease the building, but then I also putting, I put over $300,000 into a building. Man, that I never don't, let me, but don't, I don't but I, let me choke you. I promise you, you could choke me three times and I still, I probably, I'll still come back. That's how I am. But I didn't know any better. So for me, <sighs> I, I literally just knew I wanted to create something amazing for the community. Yes. But I never knew I should have bought the building first. I just didn't know. That's just okay. my reality. So why buy? No, you don't have to buy. And most people don't. Most businesses don't. They lease and they take the the write-off as a lease. Mm-hmm. If you lease, you don't have an asset. The asset and liability, two different conversations. Your wealth growth is from assets. And the one thing that is not being created anymore except for volcanoes somewhere in the ocean is land that's not been, land it, it is but how, what it is once again though how did you know to do that I, because i saw my parents purchase homes my parents own the buildings my you know my my parent my yeah the where we so practice. your norm is not normal it's normal it's normal for you and very f- so I know I'm not I'm not I'm not an island. No, let me I'm, I'm I'll break it down for you because I I grew up without the same like you grew up with parents that purchased commercial building. I grew up with parents that bought homes and rented out to, so I understand that. Yes, yes. But how many people Which I'd like to do. I'd like to be able to do what your parents did. So there's, yeah, but I would like to do what your parents did and what you did. <laughs> See, then that's why but, you talk and you learn from each so other. So I think that's what I want to talk. I think that's one of the things, the points that I want to make is that your norm and my norm are two different, very similar. You know, I think we both had loving, caring parents. Mine's were, they were nurturing their way, mm-hmm. you know, very disciplined, very strict. You know what roof. you know. You They get. had to talk to me about education because that wasn't my first, I didn't know the point of it. It never yeah. made sense to me. Um, you know, so they had to... So, But now, like I said, the purchasing of the commercial building, I don't know a lot of friends that grew up with parents that own commercial building. You had parents in your home that yeah. own commercial building. So when you got into your practice, you automatically knew I'm going to purchase this building. Well, I rented. I mean, I was a renter, a tenant of other buildings for 15 years or... Yeah, before we did that. But where I was, um, um, which was a wonderful place, and it was um, where I was last, was um, on Olive Street. And I was I had an upstairs uh, office, and I had some ancillary offices for staff. But I knew that I needed more space. Mm-hmm. And instead of going to another place or renting a space, and we had the income I had, um, I had just had a victory of a one point nine million dollar trial. That it's was my done. first. That was my first. That was my first PI case, actually. Wait, wait, wait. We're not gonna just pass 
Just run through that. Okay. So your first win as a criminal defense attorney was a win. Was a win, yes. Your first case as a PI was a win. Was a win, and it was the largest verdict in Volusia County for years. And that's yes. normal to you. That, you know, let me put it, no, it's normal for a lot of people who may not look like us, but it's normal to other people. So, you know what I'm saying? Normalize. It's, not, it's all relative. It's relative. Got it. I'll, I'll, now I'm getting it. I understand exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. But, you know, there are black lawyers who have a very similar path. I truly am not an island. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, you look at Willie Gary, you look at H.T. Smith, you got your name right. All right. So, um, yeah, I forgot what we were talking so, about. So, no, him. no, I think all of it is all connected. <laughs> so I want to talk about one last thing because um, your cheerleader, um, Kitty London, spoke a little bit about you guys have um, an organization or the, the women attorneys, black women. So, yes. I want you to talk about that before we close out. I okay. Wanna... All right. So, yes, what she's talking about is the Cherie Davis Cunningham Black Women Lawyers Association. Okay. Cherie Davis Cunningham is a recently retired judge here in Palm Beach County. She was the first black judge in Palm Beach County. So it wasn't Dave Judge Rogers, or he was the first black attorney. He was a, one of the black first black attorneys. He was a he was a circuit court judge. Sheree Davis is a county court judge. Oh, okay. I'm assuming that's just, okay. Okay, and um, and believe it, my when my mom was studying for the bar bar association, that's when I met Sheree. She and my mom studied for the bar together. Wow, it's a small world, isn't it? It really is. It's a community. It's a village, and um. But the, I'm not one of the founders. I'm one of the charter members. I also serve the role as treasurer and secretary. I know I got two roles there um, for this wonderful organization because it's needed. The ABA, the American Bar Association, did a study not long ago and indicated that 70% of the black women lawyers were leaving the profession of law. Wow. Yes. Why? Because of inequalities, not feeling that they have a voice, not feeling like they um, um, were making the inroads and their own dreams come true. How do you guys support? Well, we're we're a new organization. So one of the things that we wanted to do with this organization, and we still do, is to first identify all the black women lawyers in the county. Let's start there. Let's people think that we know each other. We don't. Right. The assumption is real. Yeah, we, we don't. You go to, just like everybody else, you get in a car, you go to work, you're in your office. And, you go home. And you go home, <laughs> yes. So we really don't know each other. And and so it was to get all of us together, judges and black women lawyers, you know, to so that we know that we were not alone, to find out the commonalities of feeling um, disenfranchised, mm. to find out the commonalities of, of feeling like you don't have a voice and how you do have a voice. You guys need a podcast. To fi- Thank you. Okay. I, we'll talk about that. To find the commonalities of how you, how do you progress? How do you still step forward when you don't have the support in your office space where you are to move forward? How do you know how to negotiate or how to, how to um, um, interview with a next era? 
or at FPNL you or Salisius Smith Gordon. The support, or, the connection, the accountability, the like you you're 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 now nurturing We're nurturing each other. What what a coincidence, nurturing each other. I guess so. And there, there you go, there is it keeps coming back. If you had an opportunity, I mean if you if there was one last thing that you wanted to share with the viewers and the audience that's watching this. I don't you know where they're watching. Them, I don't even know where they're watching. Yeah, trust me. Know. They're looking at you. Oh, trust my goodness. Me, okay. What would you leave them with that could give them the most value? Oh. You think I should have sent you that question? That, it would it would have been nope. good for you to send I, me any question, nope. anything. I'd rather organic. This is truly organic. Um, I think f- what comes to mind is... Have a goal for you. Write a goal down. That's biblical. It's also scientific. The act of writing down whatever it is that you want, that you're thinking, connects the brain to the paper. Don't ask me how I'm not. I can just, it's like, I don't know how a microwave works. I just know, right. I I don't know. I don't know. Microwave just hit the button and it works. Don't ask me how, but it does. It forces you to, um, to think and foster with particularities to write down what you are thinking. You don't have to share it with anyone, but write it. Okay. Bible says you write it and make it plain. And so from that, it gives you, you can always erase it. You can also cross it out and do something else. But it gives you a structure for you to know that you can achieve. And then you, from that, once you start writing, then it's like you'll keep writing others of what you want to do and how you're going to accomplish that. So I, I have like, I have a, in my head, but written down boards of, okay, this is my goal and this is how I'm going to get there. Even daily. Wow. For even a client's case. If I'm talking to you, this is what I want to get out, and this is how I'm going to prove this, and and this is the testimony I need for this. And, yeah, so you you write it. Um, Have coping skills. When I say coping skills, to get through life, I'm not talking about simply prayer. Prayer, and I I don't say that in jest, but, you know, God created everything. That means he created other activities for you to do. Mm -hmm. So find something that is going to get you through, something that you enjoy, that's going to help you get through hard times. It's going to give you a respite so that your mind can be clear. You need that. That's going to be a help. Let me rephrase that. A healthy respite so that your mind can be clear and let the universe, God, infuse into you. And it's it's a practice. It's little by little. I know it sounds goofy or whatever it is, but when you really real. think. It's, some people just get in the car. If you want to get in the car and go for a drive, or if you want to garden, it's disconnecting, but doing something that's fruitful. Mine is usually gardening or going to the stables and shoveling horse manure for the for the for the for the for the, for the horse or right, right. or something like, like that. Yeah, that's not a once again, you're no, no, that's not island. normal. Okay, yeah, that's that's not horse. normal. Yeah, that part is not normal to want to shovel horse manure, yeah. but it's it's very um, cathartic. So <laughs> yeah, you're not in no island, okay. but um, so everybody's going to horses just to go. But let's go. But so you're going to find your way of coping so that you can continue with your grit and feel like you can go forward. Third, you need 
friends that are true friends that are going to tell you the truth of where you are. The issue with that is that some of your friends may not see your vision. So you have to be careful of who you share that with so that you can have the nurturer that you want. Because friends and families or even enemies, they're mad because you know where they're coming, want the best for you, but may not understand your vision and know that you can do it. You know what I'm saying? I understand. So they're trying, they're, they're dissuasion. Your vision. Right. Their dissuasion may be in a protection mode, not for a jealousy mode. Mm. Different. And with that, you should always have friends who you admire, who know a lot more than you and who have more than you. You cannot be the smartest person in the room all the time or the wealthiest person all the time. Because if you are, where are you going to learn? Where do you go from here? Yeah. Well, I'm lucky I'm in a room with you, um, and I'm going to go hang out with your horses next week. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I know I'm in a room with a wealthier person than me, so this is amazing for me. No, I'm good. But thank goodness. you. No, I really thank you. I greatly appreciate you being open and honest and clear to the viewers, to myself, just learning more about you, who you, you are. and. I definitely believe there's going to be a lot more to come with us. I think you have value and you have Thank principles you. that I think will bring more value to people. And Thank I think, you. I think the more we're able to share that and you're able to inspire more people. There's so much I want to share with the public that I see every day that is so disheartening at times. Things that we as people of color just don't know in terms of insurance and what we're paying for and what we shouldn't be paying for. And that's a very general statement because everybody's wallet is different. But when there's an injury, an accident, um, a crash, a collision, uh, impalement, I mean, whatever happens to the body is what I do. And when I'm reviewing it, I'm like, oh my gosh, please let there be the right coverage. Mm. Let the person understand the process. And um, and that's those are things that I want to instill in people so that they have a fuller life. Start a podcast. Um, <laughs> I think for me, I would like you to leave your information for people that's in need of that great service that you provide sure. and the nurturing that you're going to bring into all the service that you provide. How would they get in contact with you, your office number, and also people that's looking for a new mentor? Just put that on you that you're going to help mentor some people. I don't mentor. I'm going to give you the information, but let me address the last first, and that is <laughs> mentorship. <laughs> mentorship comes in in various forms. It does. To be a, I have two mentees, and the, and when I say mentees, I when I say that somebody is a mentee, I take that seriously. And so one has been my mentee since she's. Entered actually before she entered pharmacy school, she was still a high school student, and we are still friends now. She's a doctor of pharmacy now, and she has we this has been what 12 years. So, that relationship that I take that seriously, including going home shopping with her, finding a home, finding a realtor, all just aspects of life. Mm -hmm. Both of the young ladies are that way, others are more tangential. You are you know, talking to people at different phases, more group situations, because really you only have so many hours in a day, and I too need a mentor. Wow. Okay, so you need mentors, you need advocates, and you need sponsors. You need three things, and they're not the same people. They're, they're not the same people. 
So that's a that's we'll, we'll talk over another. Yeah, because I want to fit in one of those characters. First of all, I'm looking to be part of the will. So you know I'm what? Open, so thank you very much. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, I'm Celestius. I don't know where I'm supposed to be looking here, but I'm Celestius Smith Gordon. That's spelled S as in Sam, A L E S I A, and Smith Gordon is hyphenated. Phone number is five six one. 655-9279-561-655-9279. The website, please go to it, is smithgordonlaw.com. It's Could they follow simple. you on any social media platform? I, absolutely. I post on Facebook. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I I have a Twitter account, but I'm just telling you straight Facebook up, I'm Instagram not there. Facebook is good enough. Go ahead. What's that? So there, Facebook, uh, Instagram, a website, and I have a newsletter. So how can so, I get signed up for the newsletter through your website? website. Mm-hmm. And that newsletter, website. that newsletter eventually will have a podcast that they're able to learn I love about. The, I love from your lips to God's I ears. I think it's going to be important. And I, the reason I'm the advocate for this podcasting thing right now, it just creates more opportunity for people to give their value and give their message out. Yes. And give more value to people by learning more. Because it's, it sounds like you want people to learn more about injury and laws and the pride and all the insurance and all these different things. I think would be very, very valuable because people, everybody who has a car, you're, you're paying in an insurance company. You're paying, most people, they're paying a bill every month to, for the ability to drive on the road. But you ask people, even lawyers, if they, if they don't practice personal injury law, most don't even know this either because that's not what they do every day. But we're paying insurances without knowing what benefits we're getting from the insurance. That can be for health insurance too. You paying a health insurance bill, you know what your copay is, right, what right. does it cover? Same for auto. Yeah. Same for house. So all of these, any of those could happen in the sphere of what I do, which is injury to the body. But I think you giving people that information, they're ready for it. All right. I'm ready to give much. it. It's been real. Thank you so much. Thank Great you for having job. me. Bye.